What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome again to Inside Transformational Leadership. Today, the topic we have on the table is executive presence, and this is a big topic for leaders. I am delighted and honored that our guest is Christy Hedges. I think of Christy as a colleague at Georgetown University, where she is part of the faculty of the Institute for Transformational Leadership, but I also really admire her as an entrepreneur, an expert on communication, a writer, an author, and and a a sought-after leadership coach who often works with CEO and C-level leaders. Um, I think what I love best about Christy and her work is that she's incredibly approachable even as she helps demystify the really challenging topics that we face as leaders and particularly this topic of presence. So I'd like to say welcome this morning, Christy. Thank you for being with me. Thanks so much, Kate, and what a lovely introduction. I appreciate it. Well, I think that it's... it's um, really uh, exciting to me to bring your perspective to our audience because I think that those of us who are coaches often find that this topic of presence is, you know, front and center for a lot of people in all walks of life and all kinds of leadership roles. And I always think about presence, Christy, as uh, what's it like to be with you? What's your presence like? And when I say that sometimes and I'm doing workshops or, or working with leaders, people kind of gasp and say, um, <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. You know, what is it like to be with me? Um, I'd love to just hear your kind of working concept around what is executive presence. Well, I love that definition. I, m- I might borrow that. I'll give you full attribution, but I think that's such a <laughs> visceral way to describe it. Uh, so I, I try to help people understand presence as their ability to connect with and inspire others. And so that translates across settings. Uh, it translates um, across your um, your focal point for yourself, whether you're a leader or a friend or a partner or a parent or um, whatever the case is. Um, you know, how how well do you make that connection that, you know, lights a fire in other people? And it doesn't have to be a big fire. It could be a little spark, but... We know when we're in the presence of people, we leave feeling more than. And, um, and you know, I think we, we hear a lot about it in business circles because in organizations, you know, we're trying to get work done without physically being there, without having to give directives. We want people to have that own internal light, and presence is really what starts it all. Thank you for that. That's a very, very nice definition. Um, you know, Christy, you've been... Uh, an executive who decided to become a coach. And in the process, you've also been an author and entrepreneur. And I think you have a really great background for understanding not only what does it mean to coach a leader, but actually what is it like to be a leader. And I'm curious, you were an executive turned into a coach. What motivated that change? Well, you know, so... A few things, I guess. And I think what motivates most change, and I'm reading a book right now, and, and they talked about how people create change. And I thought this was, it's been, this definition has been sitting with me about how when we're, we're going through a change or we want to do something different, we see, we can almost see something out in our periphery. And, 
it sort of makes us start to just draw our attention a little bit, and then it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger until we actually make that change. And, and I feel like that's what happened when I became a coach. I, had a, I owned a technology marketing firm in, in D.C. For, for about 10 years, and I had the opportunity to sell my interest in it in uh, 2006 going into 2007 and really had a, a greenfield opportunity. I, I had a two-year non-compete. I could do you know, pretty much anything that I wanted to do, so it was, it was exhilarating and then intimidating at the same time because I really didn't quite know what I wanted to do. My identity was pretty well locked up in what I had been doing. And so i had had a coach during that, that point, and, uh, and he was a, a marvelous coach, and he told me, listen, as these ideas come in, these little things on the periphery, you know, just write them down. And I ended up with 13 ideas on my list. I called it my list of 13 things that I might want to do. And, and he had some great advice, which was that things will pop in your head and just sort of write them down, but don't necessarily tell anybody yet. <laughs> Let them sit there for a while. Um, and my list was really broad. I had everything. I, being a coach was number one. And then I had, um, you know, opening a Pilates studio. I mean, it, it was all over the map. And uh, and I kept coming back. That, that image on the periphery of being a coach kept coming back front and center. And uh, I was just drawn to it, I think, because the experience I'd had as a coach, uh, you know, again, there was just something in me that was saying this would be a really interesting way to um, be in service, you know, in the world and also do something that I felt like I had some um, interest in and um, some inclination for. And, uh, and then I think it was just an intuitive leap after that. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad you shared that story and, and your process a little bit because I, I think so many leaders, actually, who I work with and many of those who went through our transformational leadership program at our institute um, are very, very curious about coaching as a next step at some point or another. So I think your story is very instructive. Um, and I'm curious about a little bit more about who you coach and how you coach now. Um, you're described in many places as a CEO coach. Do you think CEOs need anything special from a coach? And, and, and I wonder how leadership presence, which is a topic that you really work with, comes up when you're coaching CEOs. Uh, so CEOs, I, I think, in some ways are easier to coach, and then in some ways are harder to coach. And, and I coach senior leaders, so not just CEOs, uh, but I do I do work with quite a few CEOs, and I've, I've built a little bit of a, a specialty in first-time CEOs, so those who have been successful in other places and then find themselves in the top spot. And I, I think what's, what's easier for them is that they, they really have a lot of potential to, to take new ideas and implement them. So... They're, they have their own greenfield opportunity. If they want to work on presence in a different way, they can do it. If they want to try out some new approaches, they can do it. They can organize the company around them to be in support of what they're working on. So they have a lot of freedom. Um, but they also don't, what they don't have, which I think makes it more difficult, is they don't have a lot of, of boundaries. So um, for most of us, if we're, if we're not the, the top person in an organization, we kind of have some boundaries set for us. We have people giving us feedback. We have things that we know we're working towards. And it's almost like we can bump up against these boundaries of our behavior, and that kind of sets us in, in a better course. And, and CEOs don't really have those boundaries, and if they do, they're wider. Uh, and, uh, and so that's where I think it, it gets to be a bit of a struggle is they don't have anyone giving them feedback saying, hey, you know, in this, op- in this situation, you're not building followership, or when you talk to the board, this is happening. Uh, they kind of sort of feel it out. They stumble around and feel it out. So, so having a coach can be often I'm, I'm, when I'm coaching these folks, I'm the one person who is really giving them very candid 
uh, sometimes tough but supportive feedback with no agenda and no attachment to the outcome of what they do with it. So having a coach can be a really helpful uh, thing I find for for CEOs, and that's why you have to see a lot of uh, you know CEOs getting coaches these days uh, because they want that feedback and and they want it to be honest and and they they want to make sure that it's in service to who they're trying to be. And 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 the topic again of leadership presence when you're working with sort of C level or senior executives, um, how often is that on the table? Either because someone brings it as a concern or because you have some observations that, you know, cause you to suggest that it might be a good place to do some work? It's, it's uh, you know, it always, um, I'm amazed and interested about how people find their way to, to be in the discussion. So I would say it's in both buckets. Sometimes people have gotten feedback somewhere and often the feedback is not all that descriptive or helpful. So they might say, oh, you really need to work on your presence. And then when they follow up that they don't really get much more than that, well, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, your presence, that, that stuff. Um, and so they, they want to better understand what that means. Uh, other times, you know, I might get contacted from someone in HR where this person is a high performer, but they, they're worried they might be limited at some point by this, this issue of presence. Uh, or they're they're really elevating their role, and they're going to need some extra skills. Uh, and so, all those I would say would be when people are kind of giving them feedback. But a lot of times, other folks just have an intuitive sense about it. They feel like they, there's potential that's on the table that they see other people and they admire what they do in situations and want more of that for themselves. And those folks often just, you know, they for me personally, they they'll read the book or they'll you know research it online and find their way to me and. Uh, and those are those are really rewarding um, conversations as well. So because they're really doing it for themselves, because they have a feeling about it, and, and they want to make that more of a reality. I think that's that's um, really uh, probably inspiring for people to hear about that sort of multitude of reasons that people might seek uh, coaching at this senior level. And you know, one of the things that occurs to me as I'm listening to you in terms of my own work as a leadership coach is um, I sometimes notice that um, that my senior leader clients and CEOs have their heads down trying to make things happen, trying to achieve outcomes, trying to make sure they have the right team assembled, um, planning, you know, um, and and consequently they... They're they're often going full bore and mm-hmm. um, and may really have some blind spots about um, how they how their leadership looks to other people, how it feels to other people, and whether or not it's inspiring, or whether it's you know um, painful to watch, if I may say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think about a conversation I had with a CEO uh, about a month ago who told me. I would love my job if I didn't have to work with people, Kate. And I was like, wow, let's slow down for a minute, you know. I'm curious about, um, about uh, how you, how you, you, you described leadership presence as being able to inspire and connect with other people through your presence. And, and could you say a little bit more about that definition? How does a fully present leader who's really bringing an effective executive presence actually look? Uh, so, I, uh, you know, and I, I love, thank you for sharing that story, too. I, I really, I'd love to hear more about, about the steps that you took for, um, 
for changing that that leader's uh, frame of reference for what they what they needed to accomplish and what it means to be a leader of people. Uh, we'll have to do that over a, a cup of coffee sometime. So uh, you know, I, I think that um, you know, if we think about um, uh, you know inspiration or connection or what that looks like, uh, it, we often. You know, I find that people have these these ideas about presence. I call it capital P presence. If they think to have presence, you have to be the person who you know owns the room and, and or owns the stage or whatever you wanna, whatever your platform might be, and has almost a larger than life sense of them. Like people are drawn to them. It's like a, a lot of attractor energy. You know, all those kind of qualities. And I think most people look at that and they say, well, that's not me. Uh, I'm an introvert, or, or I'm more um, a heads down kind of person, or you know, I could go on and on and on. We just don't. That definition doesn't fit. Um, and in, part of my work is often shifting people to think of what I'll call presence as I call it small p presence. Like what does presence really look like in the day-to-day? And it often looks much more like a one-on-one conversation where um, you're really listening, um, that you're curious about the other person, that you're really in the conversation for, um, for both of you, uh, not for one person, and um, that you're really being intentional about um, the energy that you want to put into that room, about the feeling that you want to evoke in someone else. And, you know, we all have that presence in our lives. We might not just, you know, put it into our work lives. So helping people see that presence doesn't have to be this, like, really tough thing they've got to put on, like a suit that doesn't fit very well. Um, But it's more about the things that they do naturally with the relationships that count and bringing those into the workplace. Oh, that sounds really interesting. So it's more about the things they do with the people that count and bringing those into the workplace. What Can you give a couple examples maybe? Sure. So um, I'm thinking of a leader that I worked with who was um, just, I mean, really just had a great uh, way of relating to people, you know, gregarious, incredibly kind, um, made everybody feel on equal footing, even though he was a very senior leader. I mean, really, really good at interpersonal relationships uh, had been in sales most of his career, uh, so he really knew how to relate to people. Uh, and he ha- had advanced to a level um, running a division where he started reporting to the board. And at the board, in that relationship, he showed up completely differently and would, would you know, over-prepare, um, was a bit intimidated by the dynamic. There were some very, very strong um, quantitative personalities on the board uh, and so he would end up kind of losing a lot of those interpersonal qualities that he had because he felt like he had to be overly scripted. He felt like he had to be responsive to any question that came up. Uh, and and so part of, of the reframing for him was taking a step back. And so, yes, you can prepare, and you should prepare for a board meeting, absolutely, but you can't possibly prepare for every question they might ask. So how about going back and, and pulling those interpersonal skills that you're so good at, making people feel heard, making people feel listened to, um, making people feel included, and use those in the board setting, uh, and which is you know, with something that comes very naturally in most other settings that you're in. And that was really the shift that we made for him, which actually was very relaxing to him because he was, yeah, again, assuming he had to put on this suit that didn't quite fit, uh, and finding that he actually he had most of what he needed already. He just wasn't tapping into it. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a wonderful point, and it brings to mind. Um, yeah, I have so many voices in my head as I'm as I'm listening to you today. Mainly the voices of my clients, actually. But I'm I'm thinking of people describing for me. I'm different at work 
than I am at home, mm-hmm. or the way I am at work isn't like I'm the I mean, I'm, you know you'd, you'd like me much better outside of work, Kate, that kind of thing, and <laughs> and I and I'm always like you, I think, in the process of helping people become fully who they are at work as a leader versus putting on a persona called you know my leader persona that they are then adopting while at work, and I I think that. It takes uh, a while, actually, to to relax and trust that the human being you are is what makes what where the, sort of the maybe the the bedrock of your leadership presence is. It's not something you assume like a like a mantle of behaviors that equal leadership. It's actually coming from inside you and coming out through your values, through what you choose to focus on in your communication through the way that you move and and engage with people um, and so a, a good simple way of thinking about how to begin to work on presence might actually be to um, to consciously choose to bring more of yourself your truest self into the workplace without um, compromising your standards and your your leadership stance, if you will. Does that make sense to you, Christy? I think that's beautifully put. I mean, I was, and you know, we do very similar work. And so I, I think a lot of what we do is helping people become more of themselves. And so giving them permission, I should say, to become more of them, to just to be who they are, just to, to really, I mean, as you talk about just trusting that your own values are going to be what resonate most for other people. You know, it takes it does take a leap, and I think having a coach who says, "Listen, I see leaders all day long. I see what how they're successful, uh, and it's okay just to be this person that you um, that you're really good at being." That's <laughs> right. Well, you know, Christy, we're going to take a break right now. Um, for those of you listening, I'd like to ask, give you a question to think about during this break, which is, "Are you bringing your true self to your leadership, and does your presence at work reflect who you really are?" Um, you're listening to Kate Ebner. I'm in a conversation with Christy Hedges, an executive leadership coach, who an author, and really is someone who specializes in helping senior leaders to step into their presence. This is Inside Transformational Leadership, and we'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email ITLprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202 202- 
687-7000. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, Produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Thank you for being with us today. You've been listening to a conversation between me and my guest, Christy Hedges. Christy writes about leadership for Forbes.com. And she's penned the Leadership Factor column for Entrepreneur.com for, for several years. Um, Christy's been featured in publications like the Washington Post, Reuters, MSNBC, um, numerous others. And she's been honored as one of the 50 women who mean business in Washington, D.C. Um, she frequently speaks on the topic of leadership presence for groups such as Vistage International, which is the global pre- professional development organization for CEOs. And she is... Um, uh, I think just a phenomenal member of our faculty at Georgetown and really supporting many, many leaders who are transitioning into becoming coaches through our coaching program. Um, Christy, it's been really fun to talk with you so far. Are you ready to dive back in? I am, Kate. Having fun over here, too. Good. Well, I'd like to just um, pick up a bit where we left off. We were talking about this question of integrating um, who you really are as a human being with who you are showing up to be as a leader. And um, one of the things you write about in your wonderful book um, is really about the way that a leader, your leadership presence can accelerate your career or it can hold you back. And I would love to hear you talk for a moment, Christy, about, you know, sort of like, like when does it accelerate someone's career? What, you know, what, what are the, you know, what, how can a leadership presence help a career get a real boost and then how can it hold you back? If you could just talk for a moment about that. Sure. So I, I don't know if, if you find this. I know, Kate, you do a lot of work around this topic, too, that, you know, this it just comes up a lot. So organizations are talking about presence. They're asking their leaders to have it. It's going on. You know, organizational competency list. Do you see that showing up as well? I, I do. And, in fact, often I think that the, if I had to summarize the, the topics in leadership that really are front and center, in the work I do, I would say, I always say vision, of course, voice and presence. You know, your voice, your vision, how you see a future and describe it and inspire others to it. Your voice, what you talk about and how you use your voice authentically and effectively to bring people with you. Mm-hmm. And presence, good old, what's it like to be with you? And then I would also add the balancing of work and life or, or the 
um, I, I consider that to be a, about inner balance versus manage, you know, time management. But I think that leadership presence is one of the top three topics of, of potential and topics of concern that people have as they're trying to really um, step up in the workplace. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it amazes me, too, I mean, how much, how much uh, you know, uh, energy this topic gets. I mean, I, it, I, I've known it's been important for a long time, and, and those of us who, and you're in that group, too, who have been in this world just paying attention, I think there are, are those of us who are called presence voyeurs. We've, we've been looking at people's presence and thinking about it and thinking about it in a different way um, for, for many, many years, you know, out of a personal interest more than anything, probably. But I find that even from the time that I decided to write The Power of Presence and then when it came out um, into today, it just seems like there's just been an acceleration of conversation around this topic. And, and I think that goes back to your question, which was, you know, when can it really advance a career and when can it hold it back? And, you know, I think organizations are looking for people to, to show presence in earlier stages in their careers and, and then to have it be something that's a key part of their leadership competency because we, you know, we have to get work done in a different way these days. We have to work with distributed teams. We have to work um, across geographies. We have to get a lot of work done through influence and people who don't actually report to us. And all of that requires a greater capacity for presence, again, that connecting, inspiring others uh, to get actual work done. So, you know, if you are someone who has that and can show that, even at uh, a younger stage in your career, it can be something that can really catapult your career, can make people invest in you, want to be put you on the right teams, want to uh, advance you through the organization, uh, want to be your um, sponsor, um, all of those things. So, And then, of course, at a senior level, you're just picked out as leadership material. And, you know, we're in a lot of these programs, Kate, where to, you know, both of us and many of coaches around um, high potential leaders. And to be among the folks who are looked at as a high potential really changes how people see you throughout the organization. And all of that um, ties back to when and how you show your own leadership presence effectively. And, of course, the reverse can be true. If you, if you don't have it, it's something that you struggle with. You can have all the great functional competency in the world, um, but it's going to be harder for people to see you as a future leader, and it has a negative effect. You know, um, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right, and I'm thinking about the, um, the differences, and in particular I'm thinking about uh, what it looks like when somebody really demonstrates presence in in the way that they operate versus when somebody doesn't. And I, I often notice that um, people who are getting the feedback that they need to work on their presence often uh, have sensed that this is really important, but they're not really sure where to start or what that feedback, you know, presence seems like it's kind of... Um, you know, a big bucket that lots of things can get tossed into, you know. So I'd like to ask you, Christy, what are the common problems and issues that you think leaders have with regards to presence? When somebody's told, work on your presence, what are the kinds of things that they might be needing to consider? So I, I think a lot of times it comes down, I mean, in terms of what's in that bucket that, that's being labeled? Yeah, yeah, but I'm even thinking of, like, if, if you had an example of, like, a leader who had the feedback to work on their presence, mm-hmm. what, what, what might we be seeing and what might be the work? So I, I find that it comes down many times to, to communication skills. 
So how people communicate, when they communicate, uh, how much do they communicate uh, is, is tied very closely with, with presence. And, you know, I, I've had leaders where, you know, they've they kind of on the assertiveness continuum, right? So some of them are too assertive. So they're, they're given feedback that you need to work on your presence because, you know, people are a little intimidated or don't want to work for you or, um, you know, aren't, uh, you know, really keen on following your lead, aren't buying into what you're selling. Um, to the other side of that assertiveness continuum where you're not assertive enough, people don't really understand what you're for, you don't have a strong enough point of view, you're not showing enough of your own leadership judgment. Um, so that is a really typical one that comes up a lot, kind of that, that communication slash assertiveness, where are you on that scale? Um, and again, both sides uh, come up, I would say as frequently, and, and often people will say, you know, is this... You know, do women typically come across as being not assertive enough and men too assertive? And, and in my experience, it's both sides. So it really isn't um, gender-specific. Uh, though, you know, I, I, we hear see a lot of research that it is. Just my personal experience has been not the case for those who, who actually seek coaching for it. Um, but I, I think that's, that's often what it boils down to. It, it's, uh, it's communication skills across settings. And, you know, certainly a leader who's achieved success has good communication skills. So it's not as if we don't have them. Uh, it's more that they're not consistent. So it's the scalability of those communication skills. You know, can I take what works really well for me one-on-one and, and translate into that into a large group or, as we were talking about before, into a board meeting? Uh, you know, if I'm really good at giving a large presentation, um, can I also, you know, manage a small group with a lot of different viewpoints of my peers, for example, and, and, you know, really being able to show up consistently across those situations. I like the, I like the, the scenarios that you're putting forward because I do think that probably we all have um, preferences in terms of the settings where we feel like we're able to bring our best presence or our truest presence um, versus other times. For example, I remember in my 30s I used to be a, a in higher education in a senior leader role. And I remember realizing that when there was a room that had somewhere between 20 and 40 people in it, my anxiety would go way up, no matter what the topic was and even if it was something I really knew and understood. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that number of people sitting in a room who I needed to connect with and potentially speak to, especially if the situation required me to um, speak um, extemporaneously, you know, sort of respond to a group discussion, just caused me a, a lot of anxiety. It took me a few years of working on that and kind of, kind of um, experimenting with how to break that down and move past it, um, so that so that I, it, I I wasn't discovering myself to be strangely nervous <laughs> in those situations. And I think we all have. You know, some of us prefer small groups. Some of I've heard people say, and I probably would say this myself: I could speak to two hundred more easily than thirty. You know, and and so I, I think we, I think figuring out um, first of all, I guess your comfort zone and maybe your stretch zone, and then also um, how to how to equip yourself so that regardless of whether it's just a a team meeting or it's a talk or it's a, it's a keynote or it's a um, convening of a large group you have a consistent, to use your word, presence um, that rings true for people and that you seem like you, um, you know, across the board. So I, I like what you just said. And, and I also think what you said is very, very important about assertiveness. On, this, on the spectrum of how assertive 
you can be. Where do you land? Are you, as a leader, are you on the really assertive side? Are you somewhere in the middle? Sometimes assertive, sometimes less so. Are you somebody who holds back to see what others are going to do and who has to remember to, to, to assert? And I think, I think, you know, as you were describing that, Christy, for me, that became very visual, like almost like a, this, this continuum range in which people could find themselves and need to be adjusting themselves throughout a given day or week in order to be effective to the situation at hand. Um, so I want to say that I think those are really important distinctions. Um, where else do you think um, people need help in figuring out the balance of um, asserting and bringing their voice and communicating? Um, are there some other common issues that come up? Well, let me, I want to hold that question for a second, Kate, because I, I really like what you said, and I want to go back to it about noticing where you were getting anxious in terms of the crowd of people. Um, because I really, so I, that's very familiar to me. So I spent most of my, most of my life actually with a, with a large fear of public speaking. So I could go into a small group and have absolutely no problem, feel 100% confident. But for me, it was larger than a certain amount, and I was never insightful enough to figure out what that amount was. Um, would really cause me severe angst uh, if I had to do it. And you had told me that I would be doing what I'm doing now and speaking to large groups of people as a normal course of my business. I would have told you you were crazy. Uh, but I think we, um, the, the, all of that starts with noticing, right, and paying attention. So for most of us, we feel that anxiety, so we just avoid it or we don't think we're good at it and it gets classified into something I'm going to try not to do that much of instead of really trying to stretch and understand what it's about. Uh, and then realizing there's a lot of change that you can make in that situation. You know, if we don't actually examine it, then we just take as, as truth the assumptions we have about it. So, you know, I'm thinking of a client of mine who um, was so good, you know, in small groups and getting people to see his vision. Um, but when he had to actually memorize something or use a teleprompter or as he, he took on a much larger role or um, give a presentation, what he felt like was a presentation, he had, his personality was just gone. He was lost in it. And, and part of our work was first he had to notice that. What was different in these situations? When do you feel comfortable and when do you not feel comfortable? And then we narrowed it down to what that, that looked like and then started rearranging his talks as conversations. And so, you know, when he would, would you know, instead of thinking about them, as I have to get up here and present, really using the audience to make it feel like a conversation no matter how large the audience was and really changed how he showed up in that setting, which was becoming increasingly more important for his job because that's how a lot of people were seeing him on a, on a large stage and a platform like that. So I, I just love that concept of really noticing and, you know, the 20 to 40 is very specific. I think we'd all love to have that kind of specificity and what um, triggers us, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Oh, you're, you're welcome. You know, it's really it's really fun to think about these um, stories of people who've worked on this topic of leadership presence. And I'm going to share another one with you, and I'd love to hear another one from you. But the one I want to share is actually um, about a client I had years ago who was a very um, highly regarded attorney actually and a, a practice leader in a big New York City firm and he was in, I was engaged to work with him because he needed to work on his presence and I remember the very first meeting that we had and you know we would had some nice email exchanges and I was in New York I went up and waited in the lobby and sat on the couch in the reception area and along he came to sort of meet me and very kindly walk me back to a conference room where we were going to get started and 
he, you know, we shook hands, we said hello, and then he took off, Christy, like, I don't know what, like, a, he just zoomed away from me, and I remember scrambling along in my high heels after him thinking, <laughs> wait a minute, like, he he forgot about me, you know, and so I tailed along behind him, and we got to the conference room, and we sat down, and I was a lot of breath, and I, and, and I, and I remember thinking, like, okay, I see, I see in this very first interaction what happens, which is he turns his mind to what he wants to get done, and he turns his mind away from the human being he's actually doing it with, and he's basically leaving people in the dust. And so I observed for this through the first few coaching sessions with him, and sure enough, one of the factors in his presence was that he really was so results-focused that he was um, forgetting about um, the the relationships in, of the, with the people around him, and many ways people didn't enjoy working with him. It felt very transactional, and I remember drawing his attention to that way that he escorted me or didn't escort me to the conference room, and he was stunned. He was so surprised he hadn't ever thought of it, you know. So what? So he was being perceived in the organization as uncaring, but actually it was a lack of awareness. And as we worked together, he worked on that and many other things, and I think it really, um, he really became very responsible for being aware of the impact he was having on others and it was very really heartening and fun to see um, but I just share that story because I think one of the big uh, things about working on your presence is is that the, there's feedback we can pick up on every single day in the way people are responding to us so we, we don't you don't need to go seeking a lot of feedback about your presence you can just notice how are people reacting to me you know are they bored could be I'm boring right is it are people restless am I going on and on you know am I is everybody silent have I shut people down you know so so I think sometimes we feel like these ideas are sort of lofty but actually um, you can gather some observable data by being by working on your self-awareness as a starting point does that make sense to you it does I, I and I say I think that um yeah, so I, I do think we have observable data, and uh, and I also think for a lot of people that's really hard to take in in the moment. You know, I, I find that anyway. So you know, we both work with our clients, and we try to get them to to really observe, and, and with the help of a coach, and really being specific about what to observe. You know, that's one of the most powerful things that we have for people is to have them see it for themselves. Um, and yet, I find that with presence, it's something that's so personal to us that it's sometimes hard because people have been orienting themselves to us sometimes their whole lives is just what we're used to. Um, other times we're in a senior position of power, so people orient themselves to us with a big fat smile on their face even when they're bored um, or they don't want to hear what we have to say. And so, you know, the, what we're getting back in return isn't really valid because people are kind of under using that as a, as a way to feel like they can do what they need to do for our, our position of authority. And that's what I, I think... As coaches, being able to get feedback for people is just so valuable, and and I'm constantly amazed at how candid and supportive and helpful people are in the feedback process. Um, yeah. But you know, many people don't have the ability to have a coach collect that feedback for them, and so one of the exercises that I have in the book is a presence audit, and which is this really simple exercise where people, you know, find you know five people and ask them you know just two questions, you know, what's the general impression of me, and what could I do differently that would most impact my success. I love um, that, really- Christy. I'm going to stop us right here because we're going to yeah. take a break, but I think we'll pick up when we come back. You're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. My guest today is Christy Hedges, and we'll be right back. 
market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Well, here we are once again. I'm talking today with Christy Hedges, who has written, thought, and worked extensively on the topic of executive leadership presence in her work. She's really come up with some great ways to think about and tackle executive presence. Her book, The Power of Presence, I highly recommend it to you. It's very readable, very applicable for all of us, and I think a great resource. Christy, right before we took a break, you gave us this terrific tip about um, doing a presence audit. Could you just repeat again the two questions that you could ask, you said, I think, five people to get some feedback? Sure. So it's, you know, so the idea uh, behind a presence audit is just really having informal, in-the-moment conversations to get feedback on your presence. And uh, you don't need a lot of people because, you know, everybody knows what our presence is except for us. It, we, we get, you know, we can conjure somebody's presence very quickly. We calibrate the energy that they bring into the room. We, um, 
we take them in very quickly. And so, uh, so I, I advise people just to find folks who see them in different settings. Sometimes it's helpful to see people who have seen you in more than one setting and to ask two simple questions, which is the first one is what's the general impression of me and what could I do differently that would most impact my success? And, uh, and the questions I, there's lots of different questions you can ask. The reason I like those questions is it takes the, the onus off the person to say, here's what I think, and it's, it allows them to talk more in, in the generality of what's my impression, which I think makes the, the person who's giving the feedback feel a little bit less put upon and, and more on sure ground. Uh, and then it's, you know, you'll find that you'll get a lot of consistency in those answers. Uh, and I, I often caution people that, you know, the answers you get will be as good as your ability to receive them. So it's important not to be defensive or explain or just to listen and give your full attention and thank the person for the feedback. And, and you'll get a wealth of information that way about how you show up. Thank you. I think that's a great a great suggestion and maybe a really great starting point for those who'd like to to begin to dig into this. Um, you know, we were talking um, during the break a little bit about, um, you know, about presence. And you, you said sort of in passing, a lot of people have apprehension about really digging into presence and finding out about their presence. What, what do you mean? Well, I think we equate presence with personality uh, sometimes, and it feels like it's something that's so ingrained in who we are. Uh, and and it is uh, certainly a big part of who we are, uh, and also it's something that we can adjust. So it's uh, you know I think we you know we were talking about getting can you get verbal cues from other people and and during the during the break we were talking about you know going back and forth about how readily or easily do people do that, and my comment there was that. You know, often when something feels, um, if we're insecure about it, it feels very uh, sensitive to us, then we're more likely to sort of go into the realm of a little bit of self-delusion in terms of receiving that feedback. So we don't want to have feedback that um, when we talk, people aren't don't want to hear what we have to say or that we hurt people's feelings unintentionally or that um, people see us as uh, passive, for example, when we don't see ourselves that way or don't want ourselves to be seen that way. So, you know, it's, uh, it cuts pretty close to the, to the bone, and I think for, um, and that can get in the way sometimes of really being able to take a step back and really separate the action that we take from the who we actually are and to see where the threads are common and we want them to be the same and to see where we might want to make some adjustments so we're more in alignment and showing up more how we want to show up versus by accident. I like that, you know, showing up how we want to show up versus by accident. And I think that, you know, people are experiencing us every day, whether we're aware of our impact or we're not aware of our impact. And often this feedback, while it's kind of scary at first, it allows you to kind of pull back the veil and really understand, am I having the impact that I wanted to have? Or is there something else going on? And sometimes I've noticed that um, we outgrow something that worked for us when we were at a different stage of career or a different stage of life, we might have developed an approach. You know, for example, maybe you're like the the jokester or the caretaker who, you know, makes sure everybody's okay and, you know, looks after the group. And, and there's a point at which that really doesn't serve you anymore. But we don't, we're not always caught up with ourselves in that way. And I think that, um, I love that audit that you suggested earlier. Christy, you have a model that you use um, and that you present in The Power of Presence, and I wondered if you could describe it for us. 
Sure. So the, the model is called iPresence, and it's just a way of helping people think through in a bit more of a linear fashion this really nonlinear thing that's presence. So, uh, you know, I think one of the things that's tougher for presence is it, it is, um, it's not clear cut and it's, it's different. People view us differently in different situations. People have different opinions about our presence. We have different opinions about our presence depending on the situation. And so all of it ends up being sort of this really, um, you know, hard to understand and hard to affect soup. And my attempt with the model is to, to break it apart and help people see what are, are really practical, incremental things that they can do to help uh, improve their presence and to be more in alignment with how they want to show up. So, you know, the eye presence, the eye piece of it, if, if you saw the graphic of it, it looks both like the capital I and the human eye. And the meaning behind that is that, you know, your presence has to start with your capital I, which is who, who am I? Who do I want to be in the world? What are my values? That's really important. Um, and the human eye is to signify perception because perception also matters. And we're often in this conversation with clients, and Kate, you and I talked about a little bit this on the bre- on one of the breaks, where clients will say, well, you know, shouldn't I just be myself? You know, why can't I just be myself? Especially, as you said, if I've reached this level of success, why can't I just do that? Um, and, you know, that that's important, right? It's important to be yourself, and perception also matters. And what we find often in presence is there's, there's a, a misalignment between how your intention, how I want to show up, and then how you actually are showing up, the perception. So, for example, if I consider myself to be, you know, thoughtful and reflective and reserved, but other people see me as aloof, then uh, I have an alignment issue, right? I'm not showing up with my capital I being what people are seeing, and so that's really that that sandbox in the middle that's of those two concepts is really where the work of presence is is making sure that they line up and and I you know the way that I talk in my book and with my clients about that is to work on being more intentional uh, really understanding how you want to show up the how and I start there with clients always because I can't advise you on your presence or coach you through it if I don't if you don't know if you're not clear what that capital I should look like, uh, you know, in the building individual connections, which is the second part of that, and then being inspirational is, is really a default pattern, really thinking about yourself as an inspiring force to others versus someone who is kind of there directing or informing or taking up space or whatever the case is, um, but really looking at yourself differently and your capacity to really move other people uh, and, and claiming that. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's a it's a very good model, and again, very accessible for people. Um, I'm really glad you shared that. And you know, as as I'm listening to you talk about this today, it just really occurs to me that every one of us is working on our presence at all times. And um, I'm hoping that those of you who are listening are thinking about your own presence and. You know, perhaps you're identifying something you'd like to know more about or work on or strengthen in your presence or play with even. It doesn't have to be all so serious. It could be actually about lightening up and letting a little bit more of you shine through. Um, There's a statement that um, you made, Christy, in, in your book about perfectionism versus authenticity. And we only have a couple more minutes, but do you think you could just give us some distinctions about what's, should you know, how do we help people... Uh, stop worrying about being perfect and focus more on being authentic. Yeah, so I mean, I'll put myself in the perfectionist slash recovering perfectionist category because I think uh, there's a there's a lot of that going around um, culturally, 
and it and it really does get in the way. I think we. Uh, so the lesson that I I got from this was I used to early in my career I worked in campaign politics and you know I, I was in a worked for a political consulting firm where we would basically create the candidate's story and we you know we found over and over and again and we had lots of research to to back this up and support it was that the candidates that were perfect were the hardest ones to sell to voters that um, they didn't have any vulnerabilities they didn't have something that people could attach themselves to while the the candidates who had 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 vulnerabilities who were very authentic were by far the easiest ones for for voters to to want to vote for to want to to like to, you know to want to support and you know i think that's just as true in politics as it is for any leader um really for any person the people you know there has to be an opening for us to step through and so when leaders are perfect uh, they're intimidating, and even just the effort to be perfect uh, is off-putting to other people. They're really looking for that uh, the humanity in others. You know, the, the part that they can attach themselves to, or latch onto, or see themselves. Because we we see ourselves as very imperfect beings. So when we see someone else who seems perfect, it's really you know in our minds they seem other. And part of the work of leadership is providing a sameness. Uh, between uh, the leader and the people who are following the leader, and uh, and often that you know, in that effort to be perfect, we're actually we're we're doing the exact opposite of what we're, we want to be doing with that effort, which is bringing people closer to us. My guest today, Christy Hedges, has written thought extensively on this topic of presence. And Christy, for those who'd like to follow your work or perhaps. Um, read more that you're, you've written about and, and talk about, where can they find more information about you? Sure. The best place is, is probably my blog at christyhedges.com, and I'm on Twitter at Christy Hedges, and I'd love to be in the conversation. Well, we would love to be in the conversation with you, and, and I think you've given us a lot to think about today in a, in a way that's very, very um, accessible and uh, inviting. So I I have enjoyed the, the hour very much, Christine. We'd love to have you come back again sometime. Thank you very much Thank for your you time. Thank you so much, Kate. It was really fun. And, you know, for those of you who are listening, we're going to be doing more shows on the topic of presence, leadership presence, over the course of the next few months. This is such a big topic, and there's so many ways to think about it. We really want to begin to create... Um, a resource for you so that as you keep working on your own presence, you have a place to go to hear different perspectives. One of our upcoming guests will be Richard um, Heckler of the Strozzi Institute, who has built um, many, many decades worth of uh, experience at training leaders on presence from a somatic, that's a a mind-body perspective, and that's a show that's coming very soon. So please keep looking for the topic and continue to join us every week. Um, You've been listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. I'm Kate Ebner. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.